Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome back to this week's episode of the Earth 2 Podcast, your weekly journey through the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters through the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Listeners, we have an apology to make. We Mm. weren't paying attention. (laughs) We're doing a flashback episode today to a comic that was published on the 30th of July, 1968, which if we had been paying attention, we would have done it around the time of the JLA GSA team-up that involved Teal Morrow in the introduction of the Red Tornado, right at the start of last year, really. I'm not sure how we managed to miss Mm -hmm. this. (laughs) We do check regularly and have little meetings where we plan out what we're doing and what's coming and Mm -hmm. check stuff and think, oh, we should do this. But we missed the fact that Zatara appeared in an elongated man story in issue 379 of Detective Comics. If you're a regular listener, if you've been with us from the start, you'll remember that we did Zatanna's Quest, the story which ran through pages of Hawkman, The Atom, Green Lantern and the Just League of America, introduced mm-hmm. Zatanna and reintroduced the character of Zatara, who had appeared in Action Comics back in the day. And we completely failed to spot that he made another appearance a couple of years later in this story <laughs> in the back pages of this Detective Comics. So we're going to do that now as a little flashback and as a little preamble before next week's episode. Ooh, yes. So Peter's going to very quickly tell you about the cover to Detective Comics 379. It's a green cover. We've got the Detective Comics banner at the top. We have... Dark-haired, sinister man watching two television monitors. Mm. And on the top monitor, you see Batman. He's getting shot in the chest. He's on a pier. Oh, he's falling off. It's terrible. And on the second monitor, we have Batman being shot in the back (gasps) by a sinister figure from up high who's up a ladder. And Robin is already on the ground in front of him. Oh, no. I think Robin's tied down, actually, from (gasps) looks of things. Dear. And this sinister figure who is watching this on the screen is thinking with batman nothing is impossible i ordered him killed and he's getting bumped off in two different places at the same time oh my goodness and listeners you'll be glad to know or might even expect it but now we're not doing that story no nope. obviously we're doing the backup story mm-hmm. we're going to jump into it straight away we have a large caption box to start with that says Story by Gardner Fox, art by Sid Green. And the nice Elongated Man logo. Peter, can you remember when you first encountered the Elongated Man? Ralph Crikey. Uh, it would have been in Justice League. I can't remember what issue, actually. I just remember him always being in Justice League. Yeah, I remember quite clearly. It's that one I've mentioned in the past when, mm-hmm. spoilers, Ray Palmer and Jean Loren get married. Oh, yes, of course. You know, uh-huh. and that shot of them all standing at the end with their superhero identities looming mm-hmm. over their civilian and I remember during the period when I was mainly a Marvel guy, but not reading DC, but the post office near my granny Baines sold DC comics. And I went in occasionally, if I had pocket money, that was burning a hole in my pocket. And I remember buying an issue of All-Star Squadron in there, but I remember also an issue of JLA, which had the, everyone's faces and names down mm-hmm. the outside and around the, the, in the border outside. And it said Ralph and Sue. And that's ah, when I okay. first registered that he was Ralph. And she was Sue, and they of were course. a team, and they were a couple, and everything. So, with all that, listeners, when did you first encounter the elongated man? We're going to talk a little bit more about him as we go on. Yeah, write in and let us know. So, mm-hmm. an opening caption. When a crusader who has used real magic in his crime-fighting career retires, what does he do? In the case of Zatara the Magician, he opens a magic prop shop. Yes, we see Zatara in his full kit with his top hat and his yellow waistcoat and his red bow tie and his tails. In his shop, we can see what looks like a Rubik's Cube. No, surely not. And some <laughs> fake money and all sorts of things. There's a rabbit in a hat. There's a chart on the wall with astrological symbols. 
And there's a couple of hoods. There's a guy in a loud orange check jacket, another guy in a green jacket. They're both wearing hats. Zatara is presenting a little safe to them. Got the door open, sliding a dollar. I wonder if it's one of those things, put your dollar bill in and it vanishes like you used to see, or maybe it's going to print and duplicate. Zatara's demonstrating, and he's saying, I'll be glad to demonstrate how this magic safe works, sir. Simply place a dollar bill inside. Now, I'll close the door. Yes, the guy in the green inserts the dollar bill. A few words of mumbo-jumbo. The safe is reopened. Yes, no no backwards language at this point, listeners, you'll notice. Yes, the safe, it looks like he's opened a microwave, actually. <laughs> Zatara has opened the safe. There's no sign of the dollar bill. And he says, And the dollar bill has disappeared. Are you interested in this trick? And uh, the slightly dodgy-looking fellow in the green jacket with the white hat says, We sure are. Only, you're going to show us how to pull the stunt of making money disappear out of a bank vault and pop right into our hands. And with that, his colleague, wearing the loud orange check jacket, he punches Zatara. <gasps> Zatara's hat goes flying and Zatara falls backwards. In the final panel of the first page, we see Zatara on a small camp bed. A caption says, Soon after, in the hangout of the attackers, the man in green says, You sap! You clunked him so hard he'll be out for hours, and we have to pull off that vault job tonight. The guy in the orange jacket replies, I think he's coming around, boss. He's starting to talk. Yeah, talking in his sleep. And Zatara seems to be mumbling. Do clock, tick knock, fart, nibbed. And listeners, if you want that read backwards, it says, Cloud. Contact Ralph Dibney. Interesting. And so begins the Elongated, Elongated Man's Magic Moment. Yep. That's a nice little scroll caption at the top of page two. Mm-hmm. A scene setting caption says A moment which finds Ralph Elongated Man Dibney in Shore City Park along with his wife Sue and her nephew Robbie. Yes, Sue looks amazing in a yellow mini dress. Ralph's wearing a sort of pale purple, long sleeve top, brown trousers. Robbie's a little boy with blonde hair and he's wearing a white long sleeve sweatshirt and blue jeans. It's a shame Robbie's not wearing glasses because he could be Robbie Reed. That would be an amazing connection. Yes, let's just make that so. Let's make that <laughs> the case. Robbie's holding a large red kite and he's saying, Uncle Ralph, I can't get my kite to fly. Ralph replies, Let a master show you how, Robbie. When I was your age, I was known as King of the Kite Flyers. To which Sue rolls her eyes and says, My husband, the boss master general of the United States. That's a good joke. Next yeah, panel, yeah. like the way the page is all set up, lots of arrows leading mm-hmm. us along. Ralph is all stretchy as he flies the kite, his neck's all stretched out, his legs are stretched out as he's running along. Kite's up in the sky, as Ralph was saying, You have to run fast, Robbie, in the direction in which the wind is blowing. To which Robbie says, Okay, Uncle Ralph, let me fly it now. As soon as I show you a neat trick, Robbie, see? I inserted a round piece of paper onto the string, and it flies up to the kite. Isn't that fun? And sure enough, that's what we see. And unusually, the kite is turned yellow in this mm. panel. Mm, interesting. Maybe that's a side effect. Robbie <laughs> says, yeah, for you. Now can I fly my kite, please? Right after I show you how to make the kite come down the string, says Ralph. Come on, Ralph, let the kid play. This is terrible. In the next panel, Robbie excitedly cries, Wee! You're making that cloud come down the string. And sure enough, a cloud, which we now that we look back, we can see was kind of hovering in the sky quite close to the kite in previous panels, is indeed surrounding the kite and then circling its way down the rope towards Ralph. Robbie cries, Show me how to do that trick, Uncle Ralph. 
Why, I, I, says Ralph, and in the caption for the final panel of page two. And before Ralph can stutter out another I. Yeah, very helpfully, Robbie cries, Oh, the cloud! Smacked into Uncle Ralph, and he let go of the kite string. And sure enough, Ralph has been surrounded by this cloud. It's almost like he's eating him up. Sue looks appalled in the background, and yep, he's let go of the string. We can see the kite flying off from it at the sky in the first panel of page three. And Sue runs up and says, Ralph, didn't he? You better have a good explanation for this. And she thinks, hmm, the way his nose is twitching, which we can see happening, Ralph's trademark mm-hmm. move, what happened is more of a mystery to him than it is to me. In the background, Robbie runs after his lost toy, crying, Wah! I want my kite! Caption for panel two. And then... There's a pop sound effect, and Sue says, Huh, the cloud popped out of sight. Out of sight, says Ralph, and I'll go out of my mind, unless I can figure out how such an incredible thing could happen. Robbie's bawling in the next panel as he says, Ah, I want another kite! I want another kite! Sue says, You get the message, dear? To which Ralph replies, One kite coming up. Some minutes later at the park concession shop. Yes, that's handy. Robbie's standing looking into this window which is labelled Toys and Games. We can see a nice box kite, a couple of some roller skates. Robbie's latched onto it and says, Maybe this time you can buy me a box kite. Ralph and Sue walking along behind him as Sue says, Ralph, what an odd name that proprietor has. And she looks up at the, the name that's hanging down from another shop in front of them. And this sign says, Proprietor Ray, spelt R-A-E-P, Panoil, P-A-N-O-I-L. And Ralph says, Ray P. Panoil must be French. In the caption for the next panel, Next instant, There's another pop. And a lion has appeared between Robbie and Ralph and Sue. Sue cries, a lion? And Ralph is wrapping Sue up in his long extended arms here to keep her safe. And Ralph says, things sure are popping in the park today. Panel four. (laughs) Things are going a bit crazy. Sue grabs Robbie by the hand. She runs off saying, run Ralph, run. And Ralph, as the lion roars at him, says, I don't get it. All I did was say, rapey pan oil, and there's another. And another lion has appeared. Ralph, he's a clever man, let's, let's not forget, is saying, how backward of me. This thing is finally making sense. He has a notepad and pen in panel three, page four here. He starts writing down. Let's see if I'm right. I'll write the words, lions disappear. Off camera, Sue says, Ralph. Will you stop doodling in front of those lines and come away from there? And then Ralph continues to think. And then, by pronouncing the words backwards, and then he says in the next panel, Snoil Rapizade! Gestures at the lines, and then there are a couple of... And the lines disappear. A tiny caption says, Continued in second page following. And we arrive at the top of page five. Sue and Robbie are coming back. Sue says, Ralph, I've seen and heard enough. Give out with the explanations. To which Ralph says, Sue, sweetheart, I've turned into a magician like Zatara. To which Sue replies, The same one who shopped you to Robbie and me too this morning? And as Ralph's nose wiggles, he says, He amused you with a couple of tricks. But what you didn't know was he did them with real magic by pronouncing his words backwards. Somehow, for some reason, I've got to determine I've become magic gifted the same way. Ralph points at the proprietor name saying, That's how the lions appeared. I said that proprietor's name, Ray P. Uh, I'm not going through that again. Sue, 
You buy Robbie his new kite while I go on a magic hunt for the reason behind all this. Aunt Sue, pipes up Robbie, do you know what Uncle Ralph is talking about? Of course, says Sue. I'm his, er, uh, understanding wife. A slow dissolve. Magically changing into his uniform by simply removing his ultra-civilian garments, the elongated man scribbles on a paper. Yes, he's written the words Conta Zatara, and he thinks, you haven't got the knack of automatically pronouncing words backwards and so have to write the magic command straight, and then he says out loud, Tikanok Arataz, and with a whoosh, he goes flying into the air. Caption for the first panel on page six. An instant later, with the thud of head on head... Yes, Ralph, and we get a really good look at his uniform at this point. It's a big purple unitard. He's a yellow belt and a sort of black V coming down over his chest and his back. Black boots. Ralph goes flying into the to the lair of the bad guys we met earlier on and collides, as the caption says, head first with Zatara. Zatara has just woken up at this point as he says... And the hood, who was wearing green, turns at this and says, Hey, who? And his grotesque pal in the orange check jacket says, Hey, what? Ralph is rubbing his head. Well, like I am just now for the benefit of our YouTube viewers in the next panel. As he kneels beside Zatara, thinking, Phew, I sure made contact. So hard I knocked out Zatara. In the background, the two goons, the orange check jacket one cries, The elongated man, he must have caught on to our scheme. But we ain't gonna stay caught. Gun him down before he pulls any of his stretching tricks. Ralph whirls at this point, recovering. He looks at the two lads and thinks, Joe Flood. I've seen enough wanted posters on him. Too groggy from that head collision to elongate effectively. So I'll use my magic powers against those gunmen. We're guessing Joe Flood's the guy in the green, aren't we, Peter? Yes. Joe and his associate move towards Ralph in the next panel. As Ralph says, Passat! Odd ton and he thinks, that'll stop him from shooting. We'll probably put some of these backwards magic captions in the yes. panels on the socials, won't mm-hmm. we, so that listeners can have the fun of reading them. Joe says, <laughs> He's so groggy, he can't talk straight. And then in the next panel, there are a couple of blam, blam sound effects as Joe and his pal fire at Ralph, who stretches out of the way of the bullets, thinking, It didn't work. I must have said the magic words wrong. I'll give it another try. Tiny caption tells us we are continuing the second page falling. We pass an advertisement for how to do strongman tricks without strength Gosh. and boys, men, build, develop mighty muscles. That's a bit of a flashback there at 68 and what was going on. <laughs> the first panel of page seven is absolutely spectacular. Indeed. Ralph is stretched out in full spaghetti fashion, dodging all the bullets as he cries, Taps! Post! Utps! And he thinks, can't get the magic words to come out right. Better change my tactics. The next panel, he stretched out a couple of fingers. Well, very helpfully, actually, he thinks here and says, As a starter, this finger magic of mine keeps their gunfire away from me. He stretched a couple of fingers out to really long, looped them around the bad guy's wrists, and forced their hands up so that when they fire their guns again, blam blam, they're firing into the ceiling. The final panel of page seven, Ralph moves towards them thinking, while I turn my foot into a magic rope to wrap around their ankles. And that's what he does. Stretch his right foot, his right leg, and his right leg coils around both of them, pulling them together. Gasp! And in the first panel of page eight, under, um, take a drink, under a, a luminescent overhead light bulb, Ralph reaches behind them to a table and thinks, Finally, with my free hand, I grab this piece of furniture and turn the tables on them. And in panel two, there's a large wham! as he slams the table into Joe Flood and his mate, and they go flying back against the wall. 
Ralph crosses to the magician in the next panel, thinking, Now to awaken Zatara, this time I'm taking no chances. I've written down the magic words. And we see that he's written down, Zatara, wake up. And Ralph cries, Arats Ika Poo! And Zatara sits up in the bed, rubbing his head and says, Young gated man, what are you doing here? I was dreaming about you. In my dream, I formed a magic cloud, which I ordered to contact you and imbue you with magic powers so you could rescue me. That's exactly what happened, Zatara. But if you dreamed it, how... I must have talked in my sleep, uttered the magic words. First panel, page nine. We can see them standing looking at Joe and his pal as they lie dizzy with little stars floating around their heads, draped over the table that's lying on top of them. Zatara continues, Now that you have so effectively disposed of those thugs who abducted me, it's time to take away your magic. And with that, Zatara gestures towards Ralph and says, Sigam ni detagnoli nam idaf tu. Yes, so magic in Elongated Man fade out. There we go. <gasps> Ralph has a sort of comic look to camera here as he says, Oh well, it was fun while it lasted. And then, in the final panel of the story, they're both smiling broadly as Ralph says, You sure rattled that right off. Tell me, Zatara, how can you say these words so fast backwards and get them to come out right? Oh, it's easy enough when you've had 30 years practice as I've had. And a caption says, Et de And then we see that the number nine, telling us which page it is, is also backwards. Fantastic. Are. That was so much fun. That was great, wasn't it? Yeah. Nice to see Zatara. Thank you for doing the heavy lifting because I have a very sore throat today. Yes, it's all right. I've, my, <laughs> I've, oh, I've had a bit of a sore throat recently, but it seems to be getting better. That was good. That was fun. Mm-hmm. A real touch of the Carmines, I think, to the expressions there. Yes. Which makes me think that maybe some of the Carmines' magic was really Sid Green. I'm not sure, but we also yeah. did talk in the past about how Sid, when he arrived on the Justice League, really raised things. So maybe he mm-hmm. got a little bit of... Without a doubt. ...from Carmine as well. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was nice to see Sue. Mm-hmm. Let's briefly talk about Ralph and Sue. The worst, One of the worst things ever happened in DC Comics in the 2000s was the Identity Crisis series, would you agree? No. Really? You don't? Oh wait, okay. You don't, <laughs> you, you don't agree? I, don't you think I, it was I horrendous? That, I, I think it was horrendous, but I do think it was a really interesting story. It was an interesting story. It was a very well told story. Uh-huh. Rags Morales, gorgeous artwork. Some yes. of the captioning was, was awkward. But to take two loved and warm and just positive, friendly characters like Ralph yeah. and Sue and mm-hmm. treat them the way that they did mm-hmm. was just for shock, was awful. Mm-hmm. But then I suppose it had to make an impact. Yes. I still have a bad taste in my mouth. Anytime I read an old story with the both of them in it, I think, because oh, we know what's coming. It's horrendous. What's the, what's their current status? Do you know? There was some right stuff there, with Ralph and during 52 when he yes. died as well. Mm-hmm. Well, was that whole tease? It was going to be Ralph and Sue, Ghost Detectives. That was kind of hinted at at the end of 52. But nothing came of that. Ralph then came back and he looked different in the pages of Secret Six. When was that? Was that during New 52 or was that Yeah, after? it was kind of roughly about that time. Right. I can't really remember because okay. I was reading it on and off. Sure. And right now, it could be anything because everything's back. So Yeah, yeah let's yeah, hope. Who knows? Mm-hmm. One thing we should quickly mention because it does fall into remit is mm-hmm. slightly with Legacy and all that is when Ralph and Sue turned up in the pages of Starman. Oh yes, towards the yeah, end. Yeah, towards the end. Mm-hmm. Ralph was involved with Hamilton Drew and all the stuff with the curse and all that kind of thing. That was mm-hmm. fun. It was nice there that they were actually being used as interesting characters. Because yes. I think even by that point, Ralph had obviously been in Justice League Europe. Uh-huh. And again, not really too much done with him, but a bit mm-hmm. more done with Sue. It was nice to see them there. And of course, that kind of followed up from their involvement in Justice League Detroit as well, didn't it? Yeah, true. 
very much so. One thing that wasn't Ralph that generally surprised me was when we had Grant Morrison's GLA and you had the Big Seven at the start yeah. and then they introduced new characters yeah. and I was genuinely shocked when they introduced Plastic Man instead of Elongated Man because to me, Ralph is a stalwart GLA'er, you know, mm-hmm. as you said, he was yeah. even stayed around for Detroit, Yeah, you know, he was there, he was in Justice League Europe, so he was like... Yeah. Pretty much for a solid couple of decades, he was always there. Yeah. And then when Grant's GLA happened, it was gone. And yeah. It, and it was Plaz. Yeah, it's like, I suppose, I mean, Plaz was a bit more, I mean, he had that whole shape-shifting thing, which maybe yeah. made him a bit more interesting. And Jim Carrey was very big at the time. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we're a little while off when Ellen Gated Man joins the Justice League, but he will mm-hmm. be involved before too long in yeah. some of the JLA-JC team-ups that we do. So, you know, expect to see him before too long as the crow flies. Yeah. And he will appear... And a lot more of the, the JLA JSA stories as we continue through the 70s. So it's um it's nice to kind of spotlight them a little bit this week. I've put together a an elongated man cover gallery to stick on the socials mm-hmm. just to kind of pad everything out <laughs> for this week. <laughs> this might be one of our shortest episodes ever, but we we have to do this little flashback as a curtain raiser to next week's adventure. Yes. And again, we apologize for not paying attention and doing this during the summer of 1968 when we should have done. Yes. And it's nice to see Zatara pop up again. Yes. And just a nice little casual so. cameo. Mm-hmm. He will make sporadic appearances, as we've said in the past. Um, but yeah, it's nice that he wasn't completely forgotten, even if we've completely forgot about him. I like his reference to having been doing it for 30 years. Yes. And yes. he's with Ralph Dibney, who is a friend of Barry Allen, the Earth One Flash. Yes. Which means on Earth One. Yes. Zatara is on Earth One. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Yes. He didn't say fact. he started off doing in another world and then came over and then had a child. Yeah, he didn't say any of that. There's one letter in Batman's hotline from Detective Comics 382 that refers to this story and starts off talking about the main story and then goes into this one and it says, I have only two things to say in regards to the elongated man story. Number one, the story was excellent. However, it always is. Number two, you're very wise in putting Sid Green in charge of the art again, as he's superior to all others. His unique softening effect turns Ralph into waves of flowing rubber right before your eyes. And that's from Gary Skinner, Columbus, Ohio. I entirely agree. I think Sid Green's artwork is amazing. We don't see enough of his pencils. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did talk about the Carmine influence, but yeah. the layout of the whole sequence of the kite was hilarious. Mm-hmm. A real sense of physical comedy to it, almost. Yes. Remember when we did that, the first Green Lantern story? Yes, And it was Sid Green right. artwork, and you had those weird starro creatures. That's they were right. amazing. Yeah. They were absolutely amazing. So, yes, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you there. There are a couple of interesting letters, again, in the next issue, issue 383. There's a few short letters here, which I'm just going to fire through. Dear editor, I wish, with all the changes occurring to your other heroes, that something would happen to the elongated man. Right now, I'm just a tiny bit bored with the pattern of mystery established. EM beats up some thugs while cracking jokes and awkward positions. Open brackets. I used to like the ludicrous ways he'd manoeuvre his body, but all the good ones have been exhausted already. What? I know. And then explains the whole case to Sue, the police, or whoever. That's from Harvey Sobel, Comac, New York. Well, to be honest, we haven't done an awful lot of elongated man stories, no, true. obviously, so that one was fine. The next one, dear editor, even though Gardner Fox is supplying better plots for the elongated man, I dislike the way they're being carried out. Why don't you have the readers vote to see if we want EMF continued or want some other features substituted? Now, that's interesting because mm. at this point where we are in a chronology mm-hmm. in 1971, yeah. Ralph was pretty much orbiting through the backup strips of the of the Flash alongside Wally. Yes, that's true. So that's Ralph's true. in a story, Wally's in a story, you mm-hmm. know, alternate yeah. issues. And there's one more letter for this issue that we covered. Dear editor, a gripe about the latest elongated man atrocity. <gasps> Gasp. I know, in Detective 379, the elongated man's magic moment. 
I didn't exactly... Oh, I didn't exactly, it says. Welcome with open arms, Gardner Fox's all-too-frequent quickie excursions into slapstick. Mm-hmm. Another factor which prevented me from rolling out a red carpet for the story was the resurrection of Zatara the magician from a well-deserved grave. <gasps> Goodness me. Next thing you know, Fox will be reviving Peter Pork Chops. And that's from Martin Pasco. Pesky Pasco. Yep, Clifton, New Jersey. Martin, we've not heard from you for a while. Have you stopped writing letters by 1971? There is an editorial response to that one, which Peter will now tell you. The current elongated man yarn marks the end of this series, at least as far as Detective Comics appearances are concerned. Starting with the February issue, Batgirl in solo adventures of her own, alternating with Robin on his own. There you go. There'll be a one-issue interruption with the May Detective, the 30th anniversary issue, for which we are planning a monumental surprise. Editor. Martin Pascoe, I'm very disappointed in you, sir. Very disappointed. And there's nothing wrong with Peter Porkchops either. <laughs> I'm going to start calling you that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> On that bombshell. What do you want for your tea, Peter? Pork chops. Anyway. Oh, oh dear. dear. On that bombshell. Oh, yes, me. listeners, we hope you've enjoyed this brief little elasticated, elongated, pliable yes. diversion. Join us next week for some more magic nonsense. Yes, hopefully I'll find some way to stretch this out in the edits. Well, hey. Indeed. If you think that's a bad pun, write in and let us know. You can email us at theearth2podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on the social media because we'll be putting up some lovely bonus material for this and indeed every episode. On Facebook and Instagram, we're at the Earth 2 Podcast. On Twitter, we're at podcast underscore Earth 2. And don't forget, you can always leave us a voicemail. Go to speakpipe.com forward slash the Earth 2 podcast and you can let us know what you think. Absolutely, please do. We haven't had any yet. It'll be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. We have had an email from a regular listener and correspondent, Alec Bredner, and Peter's going to read that to you now. Hello, guys. I firstly wanted to thank you both for the shout out that you gave me on your 2022 review show. It was extremely unexpected, but very much appreciated. I now have a question which I'm hoping you will both comment on. The first time I ever realised that they handed out awards for comic books was when I saw the full-page advert in July 1971 issue of Action Comics, which was congratulating several DC staffers on winning several categories of the Shazam Awards. Mm. I was a bit shocked at this discovery because even though I loved comics then, and still do today, it has never occurred to me that this sort of thing was possible. In my own defence, I was young then. (laughs) <laughs> Many years later, I remember... You're still young, Alec. <laughs> Many years later, I remember with great clarity seeing the cover of January 1986 Swamp Thing issue 44, which showed DC proudly displaying the fact that this book had won Eagle Awards for Alan Moore, Steve Bissett's and John Totalben's sterling work on this series. It made me proud that our British Comic Awards were being recognised and appreciated by a worldwide audience. So my question is in two parts. A. What do you both think of the concept of comic book awards in general? Are they a vital part in promoting the comic industry? Or are award ceremonies a relic from the past that should be quietly retired? And B, the Eagle Awards were last presented in 2014. Really? Yes. Do you think that these uniquely British awards need to be revived for a modern comic audience? Or is the fact that British fandom has not organised the awards in several years mean that it's best to just leave sleeping dogs lie? And that's from Alec. He's provided us with a couple of images of DC sweeping the the awards and also the cover of uh, Swamp Thing. Yeah. So thank you very much for contributing that, yeah. I remember seeing those full-page advertisements Mm -hmm. as as a tipping my toes into DC because the shop that I used to get my Marvel comics from in Paisley had shut. 
Yeah. I also remember an issue of Doctor Who magazine with Peter Davison on the cover having an Eagle Award yes. flash uh-huh. on it. Uh-huh. You know, I remember, and do you know what? I can also remember the first time I became aware of the Shazam Awards. It was in mm-hmm. an issue of Secret Wars 2 yeah. when there was that writer guy character mm-hmm. that was like obviously some kind of satire that um, oh, yeah. Jim uh-huh. Shooter was probably yeah. making on some other writer that uh-huh. that has probably been identified by now, but I can't remember. He turns him in. It was at Thunderstorm or something, something like that. I remember. He fights Iron Man at the start of Secret Wars Two. He Shazam Award turns into a giant lightning bolt, and he gets armor, and he gets a flying horse, and all that. Okay. And then it all fades out. That's when I became aware of the Shazam Awards, uh, awards and stuff. <sighs> I mean, I used to enjoy watching the Brit Awards and stuff, and I worked in HMV <laughs> and the music stuff because we'd always write, you know, you'd be invested in a particular artist. Some are, some are supposed yeah. to comics, and you'd want them to win. But I find that. It's always panels that do the voting in these things, and they've always got their own priorities. And yeah. I can think of many times and say maybe the Oscars when there's been controversy over the choice of what's won versus what it hasn't. I remember a lot of fuss over Green Book winning Best Picture a few years ago, mm-hmm. and me sort of thinking, yeah, it was a great little film, I really enjoyed it. And then apparently it was bad that I'd enjoyed it because it was some <laughs> white saver narrative. And I thought, look, it was just a nice wee film, come on. And I think when it comes to awards and stuff like that, there's always going to be people with agendas that try and twist it and talk about. I mean, recently in real time in the world, there's been a lot of com- a lot of nonsense recently. Yeah. Because with the Brit Awards, the big music thing in Britain, they got rid of the distinction between best male artist and best female artist. And with the result, it just became best artist. And now uh-huh. the kerfuffle has been no female singers were nominated at all. Really? Which okay. is nonsense. Because, you know, mm-hmm. and, and an obvious thing that would happen if you were going to do something as daft as that. Yeah. I don't know what awards. I think I think they can be nice if you like the comic that wins. And yes. If you like a comic that doesn't win uh-huh. and you think it deserves more attention. And mm-hmm. also, as I said, people are doing the voting. They're going to have their own agendas, their own yeah. preferences. It's going to be very different. I think on balance, they're nice for recognition, but kind of against yeah. them, really. Yeah, it's one of these things where I can appreciate something for being very, very good, but it might not be something that I really enjoy. Mm. So... There are things that can be very well done and things that win awards and I appreciate the fact that it's something that's well done but unless you actually do get the enjoyment for it then yeah. say for example Mouse right sure. Mouse Great is an, an amazing piece yes. of work that everyone should read it should be taught in schools it's powerful it's not something I'm really wanting to reread anytime soon mm-hmm. because once you've read it you get the message. It's mm-hmm. it's a phenomenal piece of storytelling. It's horrible. It's incredibly well done. Mm-hmm. I like the fact I had read it, mm-hmm. and I feel that it was you appreciated. I appreciated what it, was doing. it. Yeah, yes. I felt it was very important, and it was incredibly well done, as I said. But I always assume that awards. It's not so much a popularity contest, but it's just I would like it to be something that I enjoy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think they're better when like the customers or the consumers are involved in the voting. Yeah, but then nowadays that's more open to being spammed and stuff yeah, like spammed and, abused. and bots, etc., etc. Because usually it's all done on social media these days. It's interesting. I remember we were talking about Alec saying it was those those adverts, and I remember. Mm-hmm. Seeing Amazing Man being hi- being highlighted as, yeah. as being quite high up in best series, uh-huh. and that the sort of thing when I see now retroactively gives me joy because Amazing Man's a lovely series, it's yeah, uh-huh. absolutely mm-hmm. unique. You know, Watchmen won a lot, I'm sure, didn't it? Yeah, uh-huh. and it's almost like I think there's a snobbishness involved as well. Yeah, I remember there was a period when it was always like favorite character. And it would always be Batman and Wolverine. And you go, God, have some other opinions, everyone. <laughs> what about Guy Gardner or Booster Gold? That's who yeah. I would have voted mm-hmm. for. Or you know, Spider-Man, my yeah. goodness, you know, exactly. get him up there. You know, they're a bit 
tiresome and a bit predictable sometimes mm-hmm. as well. I don't know. I, we're going to have to have another think about this. <laughs> I'll t- we'll talk about it further next time we see you. So do you think the Eagle Award should come back? The British? Yeah. Ones, well, I, I mean, I don't know. It's like, you're better placed than me to comment. I mean, I don't know how vibrant or active the British comic scene is compared to what it used to be like. I mean, I know that Lou Stringer still does his strip for Doctor Who magazine and still does the odd strip for the Beano. Mm-hmm. I know the Beano's still going and Viz is still going. But and 2000 AD is yeah, still going. That's, that's 2000 AD still going. And is, flag, you know, really. is that about it? No, I don't know. Because I mean, I think there was that period when like all our lads went flying over to America, you know, when Grant and... The and British Neil Invasion. And, yeah, exactly. Yes. And, and did lots of interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, those days, I think, have certainly passed, yeah. I think. Uh-huh. But, you know, you'll be able to tell better than me that, that there is a thriving sort of indie scene in, in the UK. And, you know, hopefully some of those... Vo- and we, yeah. Obviously, John Lee's, who we know... And, and have had on the podcast before. Yeah, briefly. <laughs> yeah. he, um, he's written Turtles, which is quite a big deal. And, yes. You know, uh-huh. Which is fantastic for John. Mm-hmm. That's great. And, you know, we'd like, like some more of that. I'd, l- I'd love the guys that, you know, that do the small press stuff in the UK mm-hmm. to get the breaks because, obviously, you know, the interest and the talent and the ability is going to be there, isn't it? Yeah. It's just... I find it difficult to comment on current comics because, as we've said in the past, I've pretty much given up on reading current comics. I buy the Flash out of habit. I've done mm-hmm. for years, but I've no idea when I last read it. It's very good just now. The only things I'm reading just now are the Stargirl and JSA series. As as we record, I think issue two of the JSA series goes on sale today, so mm-hmm. I'm going to be in town and get that tomorrow or Friday or whatever. Yeah. And that's it. I'm waiting for the Human Target to finish before I read it. I would not read Danger Street or, or whatever it's <gasps> called until that finishes okay, either. But I just think, like, I'm not really that place to really comment on current comics because I consume so few of them. I do think you're touching on the small press scene in the UK especially is, is really the main focus here. I think, I think because the UK scene is pretty much down to, as you said, 2000 AD and Viz, mm. that sort of thing, then focus has gone away from that as far as awards go. I know that Eagle Awards covered all comics, but I think there's more of a focus now on the UK small press scene. And indeed, uh, shout out to the Awesome Comics podcast, who every single week for yes. years now have been championing the pretty small press scene. And thanks, guys. It's great because I'm part of it and a very small part. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, go and check out Peter's Long Walk Home. It's fantastic. And it's Burns today of all days as we record on, oh, yes. on Burns so evening or afternoon or day. Crikey, I might um, get a sale today. <laughs> so my love is like a red, red rose that's sweetly flowered in June. Uh, I am a little thorny. Yeah. Yeah, now it be 10,000 miles, etc. There we are. On that bombshell. On that bombshell. So yes, I hope we've kind of answered your queries, Alex. We've managed to make the episode a little bit longer by (laughs) answering Alex's question after rattling through that short, elongated man story. Indeed. So thank you very much for your questions. And as we said, if anyone else has any questions, please get in touch. On that bombshell, I've been Peter. And I've been David. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you again next week for some more magic on... The Earth 2 Podcast. Podcast. Transmatter cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. You have to fun. You have to fun Rast, Robbie. Have been championing, 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 championing.